There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to Titans of Food Service. I'm your host, Nick Portillo, and I've got something special for you in this episode. I recently joined Scott DeLong and Vince Moiso on the CEO podcast. That's Conversations, Entrepreneurs, and Opportunity. And today, I'm bringing that insightful conversation right here to the Titans of Food Service. In this crossover episode, we jump into the captivating world of building a generational business. I'll be sharing my experiences and insights on starting and running a generational business. The key, as I'll emphasize in the episode, is having a strong vision and unwavering commitment. That's right unwavering. We'll talk about the importance of family synergy, fostering open communication among family members involved in the business, and understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses for smooth collaboration. Running a successful family business requires more than just blood ties. We'll uncover the traits and qualities needed to make it work. It's like cooking up the perfect recipe for success. I'll also share valuable nuggets on developing effective communication tools, essential when dealing with employees and with clients, because building human connections is really what's at the core of a thriving enterprise. We'll explore strategies for overcoming the inevitable challenges in a family-run business, to which there are many, turning them into stepping stones for growth. Building an empire as a family unit is no small feat, and we'll touch on the importance of systems, processes, and working together cohesively to achieve this goal. Legacy matters, and we'll highlight the significance of leaving a lasting impact beyond financial success, influencing future generations to come. Tune in as I share my wisdom and experiences, providing a wealth of knowledge, hopefully you'll find it that way at least, for entrepreneurs and business leaders looking to leave their mark on the world. Let's get started. Hey everybody, Vince Moiso here with the CEO Podcast. I'm here as always with Scott DeLong. Hey everybody. And we have a very special guest today, Nick Portillo. Uh, Nick's company is Portillo Sales and Marketing, uh, and and what's great about the topic that we're going to discuss today, uh, Nick works with his father, and uh, his father, who's been a longtime broker in the food service uh, industry, uh, they started this business together back in 2015 and continue to work together at an incredibly high level. And they have found just a very, very successful formula in not only working together, but but creating this generational uh, business. And as people know, you can go on the SBA site, you can find these statistics at a, at a lot of different sources, but the odds are very stacked against uh, creating successful generational businesses, usually by Generation two, especially by generation three, uh, there's a lot of failure that starts to occur. I think it gets below sub, you know, 20% success rate at that point. And it can become very challenging unless there's certain things that 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 you put in place. So uh we thought it'd be a great idea to have Nick Portillo come on and really share from, from that experience. So, Nick, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself and your and your business, of course? Yeah. So <clears throat> my dad and I, we started our, our company back in 2015. At that time, I had just graduated from college about six days prior. And he had been in the industry for a long time. And he said, Hey, I, 
I got this idea. Would you want to go forward with it? And I said, you know what? No, I don't really want to. I want to be a financial advisor. I want to help people with their money problems. And he said, okay. So started doing some interviews with some <clears throat> some of the larger wealth management firms out there. And um, in, in the meantime, he's like, why don't you just you know, come help me out. We'll buy some computers. We'll start a little, open up a little office, like two or 300 square foot office. I said, okay. Um, and a day turned into a week, turned into a month. And it, you know, it's now turned into over eight years together. And wow. we're in the food service industry and we represent food manufacturers, some really cool and unique brands. And we help them go to market by um, being their sales and marketing arm in the States that we cover, which is California, Nevada, and Hawaii. Um, you know, it's been a really fun run together and I think I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about him. He's learned a lot about himself and then also our relationship as well. Um, it, it's just been one heck of a ride for sure. Well, Nick, it's been, I can tell you personally, it's been my honor, uh, to, uh, coach both you and your dad, uh, in many strategic planning sessions and really, uh, learn about your your business at a deeper level. Uh, and you know, I can honestly say that the synergy that you and your dad have working together is a part of your success. there's there's no question about that. And oftentimes people, so so getting off the generational business model, it's just working with family members in general, right? can be mm -hmm. can be a struggle. Uh, and, and there's countless examples of course, but, uh, you know, you and your dad have found just an incredible formula. And one thing that I want to point out because I've witnessed it myself is, um, just acknowledging the, the great leadership that your dad has, and he has the ability to step aside, right. And mm -hmm. allow you to lead, you know, he's, he really has done a great job. And in our conversations, whether I've been one-on-one, -on -one, with John or whether we've been together in our planning sessions, his willingness to step aside, put you out in front, make you the face of the business. It's really incredible, you know, because I've heard and have coached many of businesses where it's literally the opposite, the, the, the complete opposite where, you know, that, that, that first generation uh, just does not want to relinquish any sort of control at all. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I can. You know, it's it's funny when you think about a family owned business. One being that it's family owned, and everybody can can relate to family, right? And so th there's that personal connection there to it. And when you hear about a family owned business, I feel or working with family members, it, it, there's two extremes. It works really well, or it doesn't work at all. And like there's a lot of times yeah. you don't see that that middle. Um, we're definitely on the good extreme where it works really, really well. Um, my dad has strengths and that are different than my strengths and he has weaknesses that are different than my weaknesses. So we have a nice bounce, uh, off one another, good yin and yang, and, if you and will. And each of you understand the strengths and weaknesses of the other as well, as well as yourselves, right? Exactly. That's, that's the key. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Yeah. And I think one thing that my dad does very, very well, and I think, has led to our success is, is him being one older than me in age. And then two, having far more experience in this industry that we're in, in the food service industry, he allows me to make decisions. He allows me to be myself. He allows me to implement ideas where I really do feel like a 50, 50 partner with him. Yeah. Uh, 
I see a lot of times those relationships, it's either one person has all the experience, has all the knowledge, Mm -hmm. or so they believe, and it just doesn't work. But him, he's very much, um, you know, right there in the fight with me. He puts me out there on the front line. He he allows me to make mistakes. um, And I'm very appreciative of him for that. I've had just the opposite experience as well in my own business. I've had three of my children um, that have worked for me. Um, and two wouldn't anymore, right? But one, because of the relationship and the and the dynamics, we were able to deal with that. And that happened to be a female child. Both the boys, we just butted heads. And, you know, then I got into this power pose thing. Just not wise, not good for the business, not good for the family, not good for right. any of that. And, and it's, there's such a fine dance um, that needs to take place to do it well. Just, yeah. just is. And it, and it takes the older person to step back a little bit and, and have a little humility. I think that's a big part. I didn't have that humility to allow my children to run. Um, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And the fact that your dad, you know, one of the things that I really liked that you just said, Nick, and that is that your dad does have a tremendous amount of industry experience. Mm-hmm. And what and what I have seen, unfortunately, in several like family business models, that person is not sharing that experience, is not paying it forward, right? And the best thing that you could do is pass that knowledge down, right? You know, is and, and there's no better way than to just get you into the mix and experience it with them. So the other thing that I really like that you said is that he's putting you out in the front line. He's allowing mm-hmm. you to make those mistakes. So listeners, I, I hope you heard all of that because, it, it, and frankly, I don't care if it is a family business or not. I think any right. leader right. that is allowing for that to take place, it's why, I, I mean, if, if you heard Nick talk about his background, he graduated college in 2015, that was only eight years ago. And got right into this business with his dad. Immediately, eight years later, here they are, incredibly successful uh, with what they do, and they're you know scaling their business and will continue to do so uh, because. And I really think this because John has has really pulled you into that mix in a great way. Not afraid to fail and allow you to experience that yourself but also impart that knowledge on you. So that's why you've seen that rapid, rapid growth. Well, there's another half of that too, I think. And, and, and Nick, I don't know you well enough to say this, but I'm going to, I'm going to make this assumption and I'm, I want yeah. you to verify it or not, but, but that useful exuberance is a positive as well. And mm-hmm. you need to be able to take it, not just have him give it, but, but it had to be partly you as well, grabbing it and saying, I'm going to do it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember back as, is kind of funny when we first started our business in the first, I think 30 or 60 days, somewhere like that, we had an interview with a, a potential manufacturer client. And I remember my dad telling me, okay, in the presentation, you've got these slides. I want you to practice these slides and you're going to deliver these slides. And in the presentation, we were at, um, at a hotel making the presentation. And when my time came up, I was so nervous. I was shaking. It was so obvious. I was wearing a tie. Like I totally stood out. And 
it, 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 we didn't end up getting the business, but probably five years later, we ended up interviewing for that same uh, that same client again. And the people were like, "Wow, you've really come a long way." Nice. Like, you were shaking. <laughs> you 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 didn't even know what the heck you were talking about. And we ended up getting the line the second time. So, you know, it just kind of shows uh, again my dad just throwing me out there, good, bad, or indifferent, and letting me succeed and fail and learn from those things. That's a great story, man. That's, 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 uh, that's it. I mean, that just, that just sums it up. Well, even better is how quickly, you know, so five years later, get in front of that same company mm-hmm. and then having them recognize how quickly, uh, you've progressed in, in your own career. So that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Nick. So, so talk about a couple of other things for me, cause I, I really want to kind of understand from your own mm-hmm. perspective, Within your business, within your relationship with your dad, you know, all of the things. So what what are the lessons learned? So you're eight years together at this point, you know, and and I think the story uh, that you just told exemplifies that, you know, going from one place to, you know, where you guys are at today. Can you talk about what what's worked and what hasn't? I remember... I remember one one funny thing when I when I again going back to my first year in business with him, I was trying to set up appointments with customers and I was emailing them or sending them a note on LinkedIn or whatever it may have been. And my dad's like, You if you want to be successful in this business, you need to pick up the phone or you need to go see them in person. That's how it goes. No more Heidi behind the screen. He goes, one thing I've noticed in school, they didn't teach you how to speak to adults. And he goes, I want you to pick up the phone and start talking to people and get comfortable doing that. So that, I think that would be lesson number one, one that I, that I remember to this day. And I feel far more comfortable talking to adults. And, and even at this point at 30 years old, any room that I walk into in my industry, uh, for the most part, I am the youngest person in the room. And, you know, I could play to my strengths of definitely that, you know, having that youthful energy and bringing innovation. But then I also have to overcome, hey, does does this young guy know what he's talk, talking about? What is his, or is his experience? Um, and so, again, my dad helping me on that, on that journey had, has proven to be very fruitful for us. I, I think another thing that I've learned through doing this business is, there's no quick way to success. It it really takes time. Um, I think, especially a lot of people in my generation, they think that they could become the overnight millionaire, but it just takes time of doing you know your practice for uh, every day, every week, every month, for years, over years, over years, and that's those overnight successes. Is people don't see all of the back work it took you to get there, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, a big thing that I've had to to learn, especially when you first start out, people don't necessarily like things that are new and they don't always like to change as well. So you need to empower them to embrace new and to overcome change. Let's go back to that first point. Cause I think this is really important. Yeah. Um, they don't teach you this in school. I actually went, when I was teaching entrepreneur class at Chapman, uh, that's one of the things that was important to me is, is getting these young people to learn how to talk to an adult. Yes. Such a big deal. Now, it, it takes the adult to be receptive too. It certainly mm-hmm. does because they they could be dismissive and and not and not allow that. But but for for the young entrepreneurs out there, it is hiding behind your screen, texting people is not going to get it done. I mean, the the, the more that you can get face to face with folks, the closer you can build a relationship. Now we're on Zoom yeah. right now, and 
and feeling it okay, right? But if we're in person, there will just be something different about this conversation as well. Right, the mm-hmm. connection that, that the three of us would end up having would be just a little bit deeper. And I don't think a lot of young people see that because they're busy, social media, texting, you know, ty- typing with their thumbs. And, and and I'm not disparaging youth at all because I'm, I'm a big believer in, in what they can bring to the party. But that's the one old man thing I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Kids that are out there listening, listen to Nick. Learn how to talk to an adult. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. That's right. I well, remember. It's the price of admission into the game of business is really what it yeah, is. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Totally. So I th- thanks for bringing that up. I really, I, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Give your dad a lot of, <laughs> tell your dad, I want to shake hands with the man. That's like, good for him. That sounds good. Yeah. I remember back when I first started dating um, my now wife and my, my first couple of years of uh, being with her and, and, you know, getting, building relationship with her parents. And for whatever reason, I felt, I, I just couldn't say their name, Eric and Shelly. Like I, I think it was just the youthfulness in me. You know, you, you grow up saying Mr. Portillo or Mr. Johnson or Mr. DeLong, whatever it may be. Um, and you get so formal and then just saying someone's first name was just as elementary as that was, um, you know, that was one of the things that you have to just kind of practice. Yeah, I, I still have that yeah. problem with with coaches, right? And co- people that coached me when I was younger and in college and all that. Um, I'm calling them by their first name because that's their name. It's not coach, right? Mm-hmm. We have a different relationship now. Back then, I had to call them coach. Now, I, but it's tough. Right? It's tough to break that barrier. But the connection can be made a little bit deeper when you get to do that. You get to you get to elevate yourself to a level as grown up like they are. That's right. That's right. Well, we just we just talked a lot about in our previous uh, podcast. We talked a lot about connection, mm-hmm. and and I think what what the essence of what you're talking about too is that human connection. And as you get into business, especially your your business is sales. That's your business. It's the essence of what you do. Mm-hmm. You get hired by a manufacturer to be the sales and marketing arm for them in the food service industry, right? Therefore. You have to go shake hands. You have to be face to face. There's nothing that takes the place of that. You know, uh, Scott talks a lot about this with with communication, and he talks about the hierarchy of communication and uh, the number one form of communication, most powerful form of communication, is face to face because it's it's a lot harder when you're face to face, and all of a sudden you have the body language that's in front of you. you've got the energy that, that's happening when you're face to face uh it's you can immediately talk to somebody's objectives or whatever might be happening within that conversation that can't happen over email that can't happen over the same way over text uh or if you're direct messaging somebody in instagram or whatever that might be and so at some point like to scott as he said it earlier get away from the screen, you know, and you've got to get out in front. Your dad understood that. So you go back to your, Mm -hmm. your earlier anecdote is just to get you in front and do that presentation. Presentations are a great example, right, Nick? Because I bet by the time you did your 10th one, you're a pro. Like you, you were all, you got over that anxiety. You got over it right there. So that nervousness went away and you understood the content, you became confident, you became comfortable in how you could present 
and you were bought into your business and the business concept and that changed for you. And that wouldn't have happened if you didn't just jump in and do that first one, right? Because mm-hmm. we we talk a lot about this, um, uh, you win or you learn, right? It's such a great, great, great uh, quote. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're constantly learning. There's no lose in that situation when it comes to business. That's right. So I want to go right, back yeah. to that face-to-face piece a little bit, just to put mm-hmm. one little exclamation point. And I probably said this before in the, in, in the, in the podcast at some point along the way, because I truly believe this, like the pandemic got us better at communicating over zoom. Mm-hmm. I pay attention to the body language. Like, like right now I'm not looking at my camera. I'm looking at your face to see how you're reacting and looking at Vince's face and I'm seeing how things do. And I can do that. Right. I've learned how to do that. We're in the same room. Instead of reading your body language, I can see your soul. I, I can mm-hmm. just, it's just deeper. It's just, there's more to it. So folks, I'm going to tell you that it's communication hierarchy face-to-face whenever possible. Get mm-hmm. there, get in front of them. Anyway, didn't mean to step on that, but I wanted to make an exclamation point. It is that powerful. Yeah. I think in my own business, when I can get somebody to come to our office in Southern Cal and bring them in. And then <clears throat> before I even make my presentation, show them around the office, maybe meet a person or two who are, who's sitting there, you know, kind of start to build already in that, that personal connection because people want to buy into things that they feel are their own. Kind of yeah. like going to, yeah. uh, you know, like a restaurant, you know, if you think about your favorite restaurant, you, you it, it's owned by somebody else. However, you feel like it's your own. And so if I can build that personal experience with you when you come into my office and you make it makes I can make it feel like it's your office as well, that I can come in anytime and just relax and just be myself here. Um, that really goes a long way, especially in the sales world. You have to keep customers a lot longer that way. That's right. Yeah. Vendors no and question. customers both, right? Yeah. yeah. That thing. Hey, so let's let's go back to the um some of the trials and tribulations and advice that you mm-hmm. might give for people that are in this multi-generational family business. There was a program that I, that, that I wanted the folks at Chapman to do, and, and they just couldn't figure it out politically, but mm-hmm. it was a, it was a transitional organ, a transitional learning experience where we would work with the young people because here's, here's how I framed it to the, to the Dean. I said, listen, you've got these people that are running these companies and they want to go to the beach. They want to retire. They want their kids to succeed, but they got this really cool Ferrari and they're just not quite ready to throw the keys to the Ferrari to their son or daughter. Right. Right. What does it take for them to, from your point of view, from what, what does it take to get your dad to a spot where he could throw you the keys to the Ferrari and say, drive it, son. It's yours. Uh, yeah. I, my dad's an interesting case. I think he's somebody who could potentially work and and die in the in the work chair. Um, <laughs> hopefully not, but we'll we'll see. But in terms of giving over, one big challenge I think, especially in family-owned businesses, is one you have to look at the size of the business that I've seen. The bigger it is, and then you bring in your kids. You know, may, people might say this is kind of this cup company is full of nepotism. Yep. Uh, so you have to be careful in that in that regard. Um, another two is the found. Let's say the father or the mother or the grandmother or the grandfather are the founder of that business. And they started from day one of, you know, mopping the floors and uh, doing all of the dirty work and like really doing the grunt work it took to build that business. And then you bring in an, mm. another generation who isn't, who didn't do that. And they didn't see the sacrifice it took to get to the business to where it is. And, 
you know, how do you impart that on to somebody who hasn't been in the business? You know, you see a lot of times people will, will say to their kids, hey, maybe go work outside of this company somewhere else first mm-hmm. and then come in once you have that experience, once you've done that grunt work, then you can come in here, assess our business and have it view it with a different lens. I had a friend the other day, I just had a conversation Saturday night with with a friend who kind of did this same transition with his with his father's business. And and he said the key for him was that when he he came in early into the business, but he did every job there from mopping the floor, did the things that the father had to do to, to build it, build it right. Whether it's shipping product or or mopping the floor or cleaning the toilet, didn't didn't matter. But he really, and this is a 64-year-old man, he gave credit to that foundation of mm-hmm. doing all the grunt work that led to you know the, the dad starting the business as well. That was really helpful. Gained him credibility with the rest of the, the staff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd done all those way. jobs. He he he'd been there, right? Yeah. And dad just didn't give him the keys to the Ferrari right away, made him earn it. Yeah. I, I, I do have one client and they have been around since the 1800s and they are on, I think it's the fifth or sixth generation. And what wow. they do, and they've all lived in the same home in Wisconsin on the exact same plot of land. So every generation lives in this home. What they require you to do is... um you have to move overseas and work overseas in a completely different country. You have to get certain, uh, you have to get a degree and it's, and you have to, you have to essentially leave completely in order to come back. And then once you're back, you can start to get into the business and then they force retire you at the age of 65. Um, So does it matter if you're the CEO or the CFO at 65, you retire if you're part of the family. And they've been doing it for, you know, since the 1800s. That is more specific program, or like formula than I've heard before, but like, brilliant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, same. I, I've heard, you know, not, not, uh, not to that level of detail, but uh, uh, have a friend in EO uh, and they're in fourth generation at this, at this point. You know, and it's interesting. It's interesting to hear about what gets put into place for that level of long, longevity. Um, you know, as well as you know, I hear I hear all the dysfunction that that comes along with it too. So I think sometimes you can, um, I, I I I almost see it a little bit like high school football, Scott. In in a lot of ways, and I'm talking public high school football, not modern day. But, but, that's, you know, that's, that's different you than know, high school football. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> you know, you, you get what you get, right. I mean, and you know, when you're talking about family, it's, you get what you get. And so you've got to mold the business a little bit around the skill set. So I think the reason I bring that up is I go back to uh, what you had said earlier, Nick, which was, look, you've got your strengths and your dad has his strengths and weaknesses and, and Scott, I think, is the one that said it, but you guys recognize what those are. And I think you've got to be able to point that out and just call a spade a spade, right? And then go, okay, cool. We're going to uh, we're going to pivot or adjust the business accordingly. Um, and that works. You guys are unique, Nick. You guys are super unique, right, um, uh, in, in what we're talking about. Because I couldn't agree with you more the little bit that I know about your dad. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere you know, anytime soon, but... Scott, to your point, uh, at least from my seat 
it it looks and feels like John has already pretty much given the keys to the Ferrari mm-hmm. and he's still going to continue to work there. So yeah. it's not this just total transition of, Hey, here you go. It's recognizing my son. And I think John would say this, my son is going to do a better job than I could ever do. And therefore I need to give him, he's going to drive this Ferrari the way it should be driven. (laughs) Right. And so therefore here's the keys and I want to ride with you. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat and let's go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 100% 100% true on that. It, the more that he has given up and just allowed me to run with the business, I mean, sure, because because I've only been doing it for eight years, which is in the grand scheme of things, is not a lot of time. Um, you know, so I've had I've had a steeper learning curve, and I've had to make a lot of mistakes. I've um, I've lost clients because of it. We've lost employees because of my mistakes. Um, but by doing that, our business has been able to grow at a faster clip than if he were to just do it all himself. Uh, I think there's also value in partnership too. If I could look back and let's say he was just to do this business, I don't know if this business would have made it if it was just him as the sole owner uh, or vice versa with just myself. I think a lot of successful businesses, that's why you see there's partners in there, whether they're family related or not. So is there any overlap? I mean, I was gonna I was gonna talk about the partnership piece as well. It's not just family, it's partnerships, right? So yeah. I had a business years ago where I had a partner, he had his strengths, I had my strengths, and then we had some overlap where we both didn't quite agree on whose strength that was, right? Yes. Do you run into that very often? I'll tell you. Let me tell you something that's kind of close is I feel my dad and I, we have a similar weakness, which sometimes can be difficult for our business. And that is we, our, our personality t- tends to be a little bit more of a people pleaser, uh, very positive, high, you know, high enthusiasm type person. And so we both have the weakness of giving people bad news. And so in our business, we have to surround ourselves with people that are comfortable doing that um, because it falls under, you know, the category of things that we don't like to do. If we have to deliver bad news, sometimes we just won't deliver it. Mm. Um, so it's kind of an interesting dynamic in that way. So you've solved that by bringing someone else in to, to handle that piece for you? Yes. Yeah, um, so my partner and I didn't solve it. We just battled. Right? Yeah. And it, which is not, not what I'd suggest, but bringing in someone that can that can solve for that weakness makes a lot of sense to me. Exactly. You know, hiring people around you. Um, one, we, we typically try to hire people that, you know, can we bring on this person or that person to buy back our time, find somebody who can take over a role that we're doing currently that we shouldn't really be doing. Accounting is a good one. Mm-hmm. We know how to sell food in terms of balancing the budget and things like that. Uh, can we hire somebody else to do that for us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so we're, we're always trying to do that to get our time back is find somebody who's better than us at the areas that we're not good in. Wonderful. Well, listen, when you're a startup, you've got to do everything, right? But That's then right. when you get to that point, recognizing that you can bring on somebody else or even outsource it, we've talked a lot about that. You know, your, your focus should be on business development. And in order to make mm-hmm. that a reality, there's certain things that you're you've got to give away and you've got to put people in place to 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 make that happen. But it's not just things you don't like doing. Mm-hmm. It's things that you recognize that someone can do better 
so that right. you have more time to do what you do really well, right? There's a mm-hmm. slight difference there than just saying, oh, I hate doing accounting. Exactly. Right? There's someone better at that job than me. Let them do it so I can go do yeah. what I'm best at. Yeah. It, it, yeah. A funny um, part of my dad and I's relationship is he thinks I can do everything very, very well. Uh, that's marketing, sales, accounting, everything. And so it, it, you know, he'll constantly funnel things to me. Oh, let Nick handle her. He needs to take a look at this where I need, where we're, we're always in constant discussion of, Hey, I, I might be very good at doing this, but by being very good at this one thing, it takes away from our building our economic engine. So we have to think about those types of things. So in real estate, they call that the highest and best use. Right? So it's the highest and best use for this plot of land is, is it an office right. building? Is it a medical facility? Is it retail? Whatever it is. Same thing happens with people. The mm-hmm. highest and best use of Nick is to fill in that gap. Correct. Now, sometimes you have to do the other things. I get it. Yeah. But the highest and best use is where I want you spending your time. Mm-hmm. Where I want to spend mm-hmm. my time. Yeah, very true. I had a customer at the University of Nebraska one time say to me, he goes, I love my job. I said, well, what is it? What is it you love about your job? He goes, I get to do the things that I love doing. And mm-hmm. the things that I'm not very good at, we have other people that do it. Yeah. Like, I, what a great way to love your job. You know, get to do the things you love doing. <laughs> novel, right. novel concept. Yeah, novel concept. Yeah. Right. Hey, we're, we're hitting, time, my friend. We are hitting that time. So yeah, as always, I think we could continue the conversation more and more. Nick, it was great having you on. Um, I think I think there's some great nuggets uh out of uh out of this conversation. Is there any one thing that you want to leave uh, our listeners with that um that they could take away? Whether you're 30 years old or 60 years old, never stop the pursuit of learning. I think that, I think one, it keeps your mind sharp and astute. And especially if you're on the, um, you know, around my age, there's so much more of the world to learn. So never stop learning. So my nugget, my nugget came directly from you is learning how to talk to an adult. And, 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 and I'm telling you those adults I, I got it. I got the gray hair, right? So the, the people with the gray hair want you to succeed and they mm-hmm. want to pass on the things that they have learned. So go ask them, right? That's right. Yeah. Great. What about you, Vince? What'd you take? Yeah, no, I just love the concept of, you know, there's no quicker way to to learn or no quicker path to uh you know elevating your game than to just get in and play the game Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh i mean you gotta you gotta do it i i hate to say it i mean you can you can read a book all you want listen to an audio audio book all you want do all the research you want at the end of the day until you actually just jump in and play the game Mm -hmm. it's it's hard and you're gonna lose it's okay you're gonna lose you're gonna trip and fall uh along the way and each one of those is a learning learning experience. So to your point, Nick, just dedicate to being a lifelong learner, no matter how that comes your way. Um, and you'll find a quicker path to success in business. Well, I congratulate you on, on your success with your dad. It's an awesome story. Um, I think you guys too. are, you're just crushing it, man. You're crushing it. So Thanks, uh, I, I appreciate you being here and sharing your story very much. Of course. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, thanks for listening and cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.